Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. Hi guys, good morning. Pastor Paul here. Wow, we are finishing 16 weeks of physical distancing. That is a long time. And I know a lot of people are saying, so now what? For those of you who haven't heard, we're still a church. But we're not able to meet in the sanctuary yet but what we have decided to do is we're not going to open for the summer in the sanctuary but we are going to go to a house church model so right now we're planning it but we we, sh- we should be ready for house churches next sunday so tune in to our website tune into our facebook page and we'll give you the details <clears throat> we're creating a facebook page right now for just frv house church and what basically what we want to do is we want you to, to attend if you can. I mean, obviously, for people who are enjoying the online presence that we have, then you'll stay on there. But I know there's been people that have been saying, Pastor Paul, I really want to get together with people. I really need to feel the fellowship and to do the handshake and whatnot and, and just to be in the presence of other people. I understand. Okay, Everything that the government is telling us, they're telling us to encourage social distancing but if we're already kind of around each other's presence already and some of you know what i'm talking about then why not we're going to allow that to happen but we still are going to encourage the social distancing the physical distancing the mask if you have to so what we're going to do is we've created this page and you have to join as a member in order to attend a house church so once you join as a member you can then get all the messages from the different hosts that are going to be opening their home and then they will tell you we are open this sunday please let us know if you would like to attend they you message them directly onto their facebook page and then they will contact you personally and say we have room for you or we are full this weekend we don't have any more room Uh, again that's how we're going to have to do it so you want to message early if you want to get into one of the house churches because every house church is going to be limited by the number of people that they can house from their church so here's the thing if a house is not available that weekend so for example uh, they want to go camping one weekend so they would let everybody know on that frvc house church page hi we're not available this weekend uh, please choose another location and that way you don't have to message them you can find another, another location to go to i think this is going to be good because people will get a chance to move around from one house church to another and get to know other people so here's the thing the success of our house church model will really determine how quickly we can get started at meeting at the sanctuary we're trying to get people committed there's been such a, a lackadaisical oh i don't know if i want to come back i don't know if we should go back if we can get a core group of people saying we want to get back then we are ready to open up in the sanctuary we'll need the volunteers we'll need people who are committed that understand that our church is still alive and well things are reopening so with everything reopening we've got to look at something that we as a church need to start as well to reopen and be back physically present with one another we're still in this pandemic we're still in this social physical distancing but life still goes on Uh, do i believe that this virus is real absolutely it is real but in the midst of this like life still has to happen right there's still work there's marriages happening people are having babies people are moving around so 
if all these families and all these things pertaining to life is happening, then church life should happen as well. One thing I noticed though that, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, something has been really exposed right in the midst of us. This, you know what it is? It's, there's at least one, two sides, three sides, sometimes four, multiple sides to any situation. We've seen it happen. If there, was, if there was only one side, then we would never be in disagreement. You see this on Facebook. You see this on every social media page. As soon as you get more than one opinion, more than one thing that people see as right or wrong, then you're going to see the division. Some say it's safe to, it's safe to stay home. Some say it's, it don't, don't stay home. Some say go out and, and mingle. Some say mask. Some say mask and glove. Some say, I'll take my chances. Some say, I'll wait for the vaccine. It's, it's so varied out there, but nothing is guaranteed during this time. We know that. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Jesus even told us that. John 16, right? You will have. The only thing that's guaranteed is he says, you will have trials and tribulation. So guess what? He says, I've overcome, so we're going to overcome. But here's the thing about that passage in John 16. Let me read the one verse before it. It says, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Verse 32. It's amazing. We're there. Maybe when we were reading this passage beforehand and before another time, we were thinking about Jesus Christ's death, his, his crucifixion. But when I read this now, I'm like, wow, it's kind of talking about what we're going through right now. It says, an hour is coming and has already come. We're there. For you to be scattered, we're there. People are scattered. People have gone back to their own homes. And it says, and to leave me alone. There are people that are struggling during this time they're struggling and they don't know god why aren't you answering god are you even around do you even care and not that god's ever abandoned us but at times it feels like people are abandoning god we are there and so after 16 weeks these restrictions are slowly being lifted and divisions are evident everyone is dealing with the distancing and restrictions very differently some follow the government guidelines to a t others not so much People glare when they go to a store and they see people aren't wearing masks or they're wearing masks and they get the glare. Some people are wearing gloves and masks. Some don't. People are touching the fruit and vegetables. And so you're going to start to see varying differences in how people are dealing with, with life in this pandemic. So what's going on in the world today is potentially showing us the divisions in churches and congregations within churches, right? Recognize that the pandemic didn't cause this division. It's all, it was always there. It's only magnifying or amplifying what was already there and it's making it visible. Our job really as believers in today's world right now during this pandemic is to fight to maintain this unity, to stay as one, to show that Christ's strength is with us during this pandemic. Here's the thing. We're not fighting for unity. We already have that in Christ. The Bible tells us that. In Christ, we are already one, right? So the Apostle Paul, I want, to, I want to read this passage in Romans because the Apostle Paul deals with this exact same thing, this very issue of division within the body of Christ. He's addressing the church of Rome that's obviously has this, has this really big problem. People are getting saved. Jews um, are, are, are watching people come into the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And he wants to address a really big issue at that time. 
And I think that we can look at it and say, wow, that principle still applies today. So, so I'm reading from Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Do not refuse to accept into your group someone who is weak in faith. And do not argue with him about opinions. One person believes that he can eat all kinds of food. But if another man's faith is weak, then he believes he can eat only vegetables. The Jewish law laid that was that was the Jewish law that was laid down for them said that there were some foods that Jews could or could not eat. So when Jews became Christians, some of them didn't understand that they, they could now eat all the kinds of food that they want. Then verse 3 says, the one who knows that he can eat any kind of food must not feel that he's better than the one who eats only vegetables. And the person who eats only vegetables must not think that the one who eats all foods is wrong. God has accepted him. So Paul is moving away from this, this vegetarian versus carnivore argument to continue to make a point. Let me go on to the verse 5. One person thinks that one day is more important than another, and someone else thinks that every day is the same. Each one should be sure in his own mind. The person who thinks one day is more important than other days is doing that for the Lord. And the one who eats all kinds of food is doing that for the Lord. Yes, he gives thanks to God for that food. And the man who refuses to eat some foods does that for the Lord. And he gives thanks to God. For we do not live or die for ourselves. If we live, we are living for the Lord. And if we die, we are dying for the Lord. So living or dying, we belong to the Lord. So why do you judge your brother in Christ, he says? And why do you think that you are better than he is? We will all stand before God and he will judge us all. So going down to verse 13, he says, So we should stop judging each other. We must make up our minds not to do anything that will make a Christian brother sin. I am in the Lord Jesus, and I know that there is no food that is wrong to eat. But if a person believes that something is wrong, then that thing is wrong for him. If you hurt your brother's faith because of something you eat, then you are not really following the way of love. I mean, I love that how he emphasizes all of this now to show, geez, it's about love, isn't it? Bottom line. So then he says, do not destroy his faith by eating food that he thinks is wrong. Christ died for him. Paul says that what they're doing with this simple issue of food is destroying one another's faith. And doesn't that line up to what we're dealing with? Mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, glove, no glove, right? These issues are causing division. These issues are, are, are separating us as believers. We have to take a, a higher stand than these petty issues. Now he goes on in verse 16, he says, Do not allow what you think is good to become what others say is evil. In the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. He says this specifically after he's gone through almost a whole chapter of talking about how food can be an issue. Then he says, in the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. The important things are living right with God, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anyone who serves Christ by living this way is pleasing God and will be accepted by other people. This is a promise. Think about that. Anyone who serves Christ by living this way is pleasing God and will be accepted by other people. So he goes on in, in verse 19. So let us try to do what makes peace and helps one another. He's saying, let's do. He said, let us try. He knows that we are humans and we're frail at, at trying to do some of the simplest things. But he says, let us try to do what makes peace and helps one another. Do not let eating of food destroy the work of God. All foods are all right to eat, but it is wrong to eat food that causes someone else to sin. So 
if someone says that you can't eat this and they're set on that, don't argue with them. That's what they believe. Don't, don't go and eat in front of them just to annoy them. Okay. We're seeing people doing this just to try and make a point and it needs to not be done. And we got to really be conscious of our actions in front of others, in front of other unbelievers who don't know what we're doing. So then he says in verse 21, it says, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that will cause your brother to sin. I love that because he starts with a, he starts with the food thing and he says, or do anything that will cause your brother to sin. Then he goes on to verse 22 and says, your beliefs about these things should be kept secret between you and God. A person is blessed if he can do what he thinks is right without feeling guilty. So here's the thing, because a lot of us, we find something that, oh, you know, this is not an issue for me, so I'll continue to do this. I'll continue to eat meat, I'll continue to eat vegetables, I'll continue to drink wine, I'll continue to smoke. Really petty things, but then they're right for us because, hey, we don't feel guilty about it. But here's what he's saying. Paul's saying, first of all, he says, don't do anything that will cause your brother to sin. Keep that in mind as you read verse 22. He says, your beliefs about these things should be kept in secret between you and God. And then he says, a person is blessed if he can do what he thinks is right without feeling guilty. First of all, we, a lot of us will ignore verse 21 and we'll just go do whatever we think is right because we don't feel guilty. There's no shame in what we're doing. But he's saying in verse 21, do not cause, do not do anything that will cause your brother, or your sister to sin. That has to be kept in context of verse 22. Then you are blessed if you can do something without feeling guilty, right? Then he says in verse 23, but if he eats something without being sure that it is right, then he is wrong because he did not believe that it was right. And if he does anything without believing that it is right, then it is sin. So again, he's saying, watch that. Because we tend to, com to, to completely ignore one part of this passage and take the part that applies to us and say, well, because it tells me that I can do what's right for me. I don't have to worry about other people. Yeah, you do have to worry what other people think because it's causing another person to, to sin. I like how Paul uses again throughout this chapter food to nail this issue, which is really judging one another. The simple issue of eating food in order to tell people stop judging each other. Then he finishes off with verses 21 and 22. Don't do anything that causes your brother or sister to sin. Again, you're blessed if you can do what you think is right and hasn't caused your brother or sister to sin without feeling guilty. Again, look at that. I bet you if we looked in our lives really closely, there's things that we ignore and we think we can do whatever we want and say whatever we want. And yet we're forgetting that it's affecting someone else. This is the issue today. Do what you want because we don't feel any guilt or shame. So if it's okay for us, you know what? Maybe it's not okay for God. Maybe it's not something that he's okay with. And that very thing that we're enjoying that we think is okay is actually causing others to sin. This issue, again, of one thinking they're right without consideration for anyone, it's been going on for a long time. You know, there's this new meme. It's called Karen. You've probably heard about it and you think, it, and you think it's funny. It's not new. This, this name that people have used to, to call out racism or self-proclaimed privileges, it's crossing cultural boundaries. There's been a lot of Karens since the beginning of time, and there's a lot of Karens in the churches. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you're the Karen. 
right? So here's the, here's the thing. With respect to what's happening today, that person who thinks they're entitled to do what they believe is right and everyone else is wrong, it's their way and no other way matters. And they are pretty vocal about telling you what they think, right? You see them on Facebook, you see them on social media, they tell everybody else their opinions as though they are right. They police behaviors, some even to tears, and I want to talk to a manager. And some have these tantrums in public. You know, here's the thing, they may mean well, but the way it's presented, the way they behave, their arguments are displaced and it's very disrespectful to others. You've heard this said, you can be right, but the way you present it is completely wrong. So in light of the social distancing, it's one believer who thinks we should just stay, all stay at home and not go out in public, even to church, right? And line up for that vaccine. That's the same person that would probably call the police if they saw any kind of groupings of people that don't look related, right? Now there's the other hand, another believer who thinks that the government is just trying to control us and trying to force us you know to get the vaccine right our job as believers you and i me as a pastor you as someone who considers yourself a mature believer isn't to pick sides and support it but it's to point people to christ and to do what god's word is asking us we have to remain in the middle and not wishy-washy but to things that that don't really matter when you compare it to salvation we have to show that Christ can address both issues. Our job is to apply the what would Jesus do principle to both sides and let that be the standard. It's easy to get caught in taking a side and then it doesn't advance the gospel to any degree. No wonder the world watches and hears us and then they, they walk away saying, I don't see any difference in the behavior of those Christians. I don't see any difference in the behavior of those believers, right? We need to take a, a stand on those issues that are biblical, like injustice, like racism, like murder, but not on petty personal preferences. Church, you and I have to stop getting caught in that pettiness that's being amplified because of this pandemic. And you know, I get it. I get it. I, I, I feel the emotions. They're real. And I see mental health issues and stress is on the rise. But we can't allow this part of our soul, which is our emotions, to guide our decisions or our convictions. As believers, you and I, our convictions and belief system is based on the complete Word of God. If you look at the Bible as only a book of options or recommendations or suggestions, then you're missing the point. And you're doing exactly what Romans 14 is speaking against because Jesus and his word are one. You can't separate God and specifically Christ from his word or pick at the word and pick out points that you want and then discard the rest. I've already said this, we're united in Christ. We're united in the word. We are united because of Christ. What are we trying to gain if we start to separate ourselves and pick and choose sides, right? And the other thing, don't get bullied by someone who comes across as an authority. We see that happening on, 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 on the media as well, right? Faith is being shattered by the fear and the unknowns that are being spread by people who have authority. What does that mean? It means we really need to start seeking God and trusting God as to what He really wants for us as believers, for you and I to make a stand in this day and age, during this pandemic, to make a difference in how we live, right? People are going to tell us what to do. People are telling us what not to do. But what is God actually asking us to do? That's something you and I have to search, 
specifically for ourselves. I want to finish with this one passage in Colossians chapter 2. And again, it's talking about how we can be swayed by something that sounds really good. We can be swayed by arguments, but really we need to only be swayed by what God is telling us. He says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, he says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. That's a pretty strong point because we know that this world is going to be run by the prince of the air, which is the devil himself. And he's going to influence people to, to, to speak highly of themselves or to give us all this information that, that turn us away from, from Jesus Christ, right? We need to hear what Christ is trying to tell us during this pandemic. So then he goes on to say in verse 9, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. We have to remember that. During this time, yes, we have rulers and government officials in authority, but above that is Jesus Christ. We don't need to be swayed in fear by the government, by other authorities. We need to trust that Christ has everything in control and we hang on to that. Yes, there are precautions that we need to be aware of, but don't let fear control you. Allow God's presence and his peace to always be with you. I hope this has been good for you. Would you bow your heads and pray? And I want to pray for you and I just to continue to, to hang on and to trust again that the enemy is going to do everything he can to challenge this unity, to break up the unity that we have as the body of Christ. But God wants us to stay strong, to fight for that unity, not to choose sides, not to become petty and start to argue with one another on, on social media or on, and, and, and demand our way. We, we've had enough of that. We need to stick together to show solidarity and strength. Bow your heads with me. Father, I come before you and I ask, Lord Jesus, would you just allow your peace to calm everybody down? In spite of what's going on, there's a heightened emotion. There's people starting to get pretty bold on how they communicate on the media. Father, would you again remind us that you're in control, that through this we can just sit and relax and trust you. But we have to take that step to trust you. We have to actually believe that you are working for us and that you have everything in control. Lord, I just pray for those people who are still trying to deal with the fear that comes up. Lord, give them the peace of mind that causes them to not act rashly, to not act out of emotion, but to think wisely and carefully about what's happening. Give them your peace. And those people who are right now still teetering on whether salvation is for them would you remind them again God how much you love them let somebody come into their life that would remind them that they are loved that they don't have to try and go through this life in this world alone that you have everything about their life known you have their future already picked out you have everything in your hand and that they would just need to just accept you as as Lord and Savior of their lives I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that's been good for you. Pastor Shelley and I are going to come back and we're going to discuss this on Facebook Live. Don't forget about our house church model. You're going to get more information on it on our webpage and on our FRVC Facebook page. Tune in. God bless you guys.
Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.